You're listening to Fair Game with your host, Robert Smith. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast. I'm Robert Smith, your host, and it's my sincere hope you've been enjoying these stories we're sharing with you throughout this season. Today's guest is one of the most creative young fair managers in our industry. She's a recipient of the YPI Rising Star Award and now finds herself as the fair manager for the Elkhart County 4-H Fair in Indiana. She's one of the most amazing people you could ever hope to meet, and I'm personally grateful I get to call her a friend. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Miss Miranda Mirror. Miranda, welcome to the show. Thanks. It's good to be here. I'm so glad we get to chat. We have not gotten to chat a lot. Before we get into everything going on with fairs and pandemic and all that stuff, uh, I want to talk about something kind of exciting. You and your husband, Steve, and your two little boys, Risley and Huxley, just welcomed a new addition to your household. How's that going? We did. It's awesome. Baby Brinkley was born on December 14th. She's about two months old now and is growing like a weed, of course, as they do. Big brothers love her very much. And uh, mom's quite fond of her too. I can't tell a lie. <laughs> I, I'm guessing mom's probably fond of her. Now, has Huxley figured out that he's now the middle child? Uh, you know, I think in some ways, yes. He, uh, <laughs> when we first came home from the hospital, he didn't want to have too much to do with her. And then big brother came home and Risley is just infatuated with her. He thinks she's the most amazing thing ever. And so as he sees Risley just loving on her, he's grown to love her more and more. So um, I think he's figured out though, that he's lost a little bit of mom's attention and we have some whining moments here and there, but we're getting through it and, and he'll be just fine. He's definitely got a lot of love. So um, we'll, we'll be fine. Well, I, I know that I've met Risley before I've, uh, uh, I've been, I've corralled him. I know back in Las Vegas, you and I were taking turns and Sarah would take turns with Nate or, or Risley and making sure we got breaks. Uh, I haven't had a chance to meet Hux yet. Cause you had him once you were moved up to Indiana, correct? Well, I think you probably saw him, but he was teeny tiny. So what? Risley went to Florida Federation when he was like seven days old. Like he was so yes. teeny tiny when he went to Florida Federation. I remember. Huxley's first fair adventure was, was the last Las Vegas year. Okay. Um, he was born in October, October 20th. And then when we went to Las Vegas, he came along. So he was about a month old, a little bit over a month old when he came to Las Vegas. So, and then poor baby Brinkley, here we are sitting amongst the pandemic and she hasn't gotten her first fair adventure yet, but we'll get her there. Sam. She's going to have to wait just a little bit. That's you know, right. I've, seen, I've seen pictures. She's absolutely precious. It makes me miss the days that Nate was that little. Um, but then I remember I get to sleep through the night now and I don't miss those days as much and nor do I actually feel sorry for you. <laughs> I totally get it. And knock on wood that I'm even going to say this, neither of my boys ever slept. They did not sleep until they were over two years old. I mean, we were up all the time with them. Baby Brinkley goes to bed at nine o'clock and she gets up at 6am. Oh and my I, God. Again, I am knocking on wood to even say this and bring this up because I'm probably going to jinx myself, but she has been amazing. And I prayed to God that he would give me one that actually just slept in a four hour chunk. I said, just give me one that'll sleep a little bit. I'll take it. And here we are. She has done amazing. So I am so thankful. So when you talk about silver linings of 2020, having a baby that actually sleeps, I do you should go buy a lottery, uh, a lotto card or something, should. a lotto ticket. Cause that's, uh, yeah, that's rough. That, I that out. <laughs> uh, you had two that, that would not sleep. And now, but now you got, you, you were blessed. You got one. That's just the perfect little sleeper knock on wood. That's we right. hope, we hope we don't jinx that. How's Steve holding up? How's he doing? He's 
good. He's a, a doting father, just like you could expect, you know, he, he loves having a girl and people say to me all the time that, um, oh, you finally got your girl. And, and I will be completely honest. Yeah. I'm excited to have a girl. I mean, who I love sparkles. I love pink. I can pick out all that kind of stuff, but my boys love me to the end of the world. They are mama's boys and they love me, you know, no matter what. And it's dad that they're kind of like, Oh, dad, you're so annoying. Or, Oh, dad, we don't need you. You know? And even at their age already, it's like that. And I can foresee that in my future with Brinkley and I have three sisters. So believe me, I know what girls are like. So this whole time, you know, <laughs> even as we were, we found out we were pregnant and what is it going to be? I was prepared for another boy. I would have been completely happy with another boy. Totally fine. But I think daddy kind of wanted a girl just to be a little daddy's girl and to love on him a little bit. So I think he's loving it quite a bit. Well, I think she's very, a very lucky little girl that she's got uh, a, a good father in her life and, and two big brothers that will, you know, kind of help show her how young girls should be treated. And when things don't go so well, then I feel sorry for the guys that mistreat Brinkley because they're going to be answering to daddy and two big brothers. So I couldn't agree good, more. <laughs> that's a good situation you got going there. Now you and Steve, how long have you two been married? Uh, 11 years. We'll be 12 in July. Wow. So we've been fast, together, doesn't it? We've been together about 14. So yeah, it goes very fast. It blew me away last, you know, we were, Sarah and I last summer in June was 15 years. We were going to go on a trip. We were going to go to, uh, we were looking at a cruise or Jamaica or something like that. And of course COVID was like, nope. <laughs> but <laughs> all of a sudden I was just, I was thinking back about and looking at pictures when we met, when we were working at Disney world. And I'm like, man, I was 20. Right. That was a lifetime ago. I've, I'm He's now, never. it's been as many years since then as I was old <laughs> when we met. <laughs> I mean, I've passed the point where um, when I was 39, that's how old Sarah's dad was when she and I met. And now I'm 41. So I'm like, whoa. It's up. so funny that you brought up. up. Because I don't know if you're aware, but yesterday I turned 40. So, uh, I feel like I aged out of the wipey eyes, you know, I turned 40 yesterday, but did they kick your that, butt out there? They kicked your butt out. They the do, group, man. They? They're like, Hey, Just we don't like need Beyonce. You You're out the group. See you later. Right. I guess so. Um, but anyway, so I've been thinking about it. And when my mom was 40, I was getting ready to graduate high school. My sister had already graduated high school. And I've been thinking about that. And like, here I am with a two month old infant and how different things are in my life than in her life. And not that either is good or bad. It's just like, when you sit back and think about my parents at my age had kids that had graduated high school, you know, like that's, yes. it's a big difference, big difference. It is. And yet I look at my parents and I think about the stories that my parents told me about, you know, my grandparents and you and I are pretty close to the same age. I would argue we are substantially younger at 40 than our parents were at 40. It's just a very different world that we Thank live you. in. I've been trying to tell myself that. <laughs> no, I, th I really, I really believe we are. Um, we, I just remember when I was, uh, so let's see, my dad would be, oh, I think he was about 37 when I was born. And I remember, you know, when I was little, when dad was, you know, 48, 50, just thinking, oh my God, you're the oldest thing in the world. Oh yeah. And I'm 41. And I'm like, I feel like I just started life five years ago. Like I just right. got going. I feel like I'm not adult enough to be 40. Thank like, you. 
I'm just not adult enough to be 40. I'm not responsible. Sometimes I think how, why did God entrust me with these three little human beings? Cause I'm not sure I'm adult enough to be their mom yet, but, but somehow I make it through. Uh, but I just, I feel like my mom was so much more adult-like. I mean, I don't know yes. how to explain it. I don't know how to explain it other than to say that she seemed so much more like an adult than I feel I am. Like yeah. she had things together, I guess, in my head. Now, whether or not that was true, I don't, probably not, but I felt like it, you know. I feel she, like I need to go sit down and have a chat with my dad now because he is uh, 77, 76, 77. Um, and I feel like I need to just ask him, hey, dad, when you were a kid and your dad got to 40, did you feel like he was old then or like how, like how were, right. I, I don't know. Cause I just feel like, I feel like we're substantially younger um, in not only in, in how we feel, but how we behave. Um, yeah. It's just, uh, it's crazy to think that I've got a 10 year old and yet I've got friends that are my age that I went to high school with and their kids are started their freshmen in college now. Right. Right. Steve's like that. So, you know, he's, he's older than I am. And so for him, he has, definitely high school friends that have kids that have probably even graduated college at this point, but here we are again with an infant and it's, it's a different world, but it's also more acceptable too. You know, like it, back when our parents were, were this age, people didn't have babies at this age and they'd started their life much sooner. If, if you will call right. it running your life, you know, um, it was a different time. It was, everything was just different. You got married quickly and things evolved and you moved on and now yep. it's okay to start a career. It's more socially acceptable to start your career and get kind of get on your own path. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Sarah's mom, um, you know, Sarah was born when her mom, I think was either 20 or 21 and, you know, the same happened with when Corey was born, her mom was, I think 20 or 21, but then Sarah and I kind of broke that cycle a little bit and, uh, waited yeah. a little longer. And I think about my friends that have their kids that are now high school graduates. And I'm, I look at it and I go, I can't imagine Nate graduating, going to college right now, all of a sudden I'd be 41 and be an empty nester. And That's right. Then, There's some advantages to that, right? <laughs> right. But at the same time, I look back and I think in order to do that, you know, Sarah and I would have had to, she would have had to get pregnant at, at 20 or 21 years old, like right after we met. And I don't, I've said a lot when she and I've talked over the years, if we'd gotten pregnant right when we first got together in our early twenties, I don't know that we'd still be together. Cause I don't, I wasn't, I was still learning how to live with arthritis. I'd just been diagnosed, figuring out what, how my life was going to be. I don't know that I would have had the maturity to have been a father yep. at, at 22 years old. Yep. So and kudos fact, to the people that have, I mean, oh I yeah, two great no, friends. No disrespect to any of them. Yeah, I, I mean, amazing for them, but I don't know that I was prepared. I don't know that, you know, um, it, everybody's different. And I think, again, it goes back to that is more acceptable these days to be different and yep. to, to be able to kind of carve your own path and to do your own thing. And, and so I'm grateful for that because look, it's given me three beautiful babies. And um, I don't know if, you know, 40 years ago, if it was the same, I would still have three beautiful babies. Yeah. Well, and do you feel like that time you had with Steve, um, where it was just you guys starting out as newlyweds that helped build a strong foundation for your marriage. Cause I know for Sarah and I, we've said over and over again, that the fact that we were together for five or six years, had been married five or six years before Nate came along, really, we had some time to go on some adventures, to go travel, to have some fights and work some things out. And 
then be able to raise a child. Right. Right. And for us, we moved across the country twice. So huge changes, you know, so, um, we, we could, if you could get through that and, and still be together and, and loving each other and moving forward, then absolutely. You know, we certainly have bad days, but it's given us, uh, it gave us a lot of opportunity to really get to know one another and to know what we could make it through. Well, I know uh, Sarah Nate and I are, are thrilled for you guys, and it's just such a joy to see you and your family grow and become, you become an amazing mother for those kids. Let's talk about the fair. A Let's few years ago, um, you became the, the fair manager there, and I, I think that board in Indiana was absolutely on point when they hired you. Because I know having worked with you at Osceola County, the records you set for ticket sales, attendance, the things that you did there, you're one of the, and, and I'm not just blowing smoke here, I really think you're one of the most capable fair managers in this industry. Take a minute, if you will, and tell us a little bit about the Elkhart County Fair. Sure. So um, it was a big jump for me, I would say, and uh, it's in that it's it's still a very small county fair, and it's much like I grew up at in Illinois, um, the fair I grew up at. You know, it's very community oriented. Um, everybody kind of knows each other. It's it's very small town esque, if you will. And but at the same time, it's a very large fair. Um, it's about twice the size. So in Kissimmee, we might host a hundred thousand people in a year, and here we host about two hundred thousand people in a year. So um, on top of that, um, we are privately owned. Um, we have over three hundred fifty acres, um, seventy some buildings on property. I mean, it's a huge piece of property, and there's a whole lot that goes on. So uh, the jump was big. Um, going from a county-owned property and one building that I was really responsible for to this was it, it was a huge jump. Um, but I mean, when you think about it as a profession, that's amazing. It's amazing to to be able to take that on, and it's amazing that they entrusted me with with taking that on. Um, but it's definitely more like what I'm a cut what I well, like what I was accustomed to growing up, um, where we have just tremendous community relationships and and sponsors and. Um, commuting outpouring, you know, you call for volunteers and they are here to help. Um, we have just side events and they are here to attend, you know, it's, it's a different, um, overall atmosphere than it was in Florida. That's terrific. Um, remind me when your fair runs. So we are basically like that last week of July, uh, we'll go Friday through the following Saturday. So we're nine days. Got it. So you close on a Saturday night, not a Sunday. Yes, Yes. What's the, what's the reasoning behind that? There's a handful of fairs that I've worked that do that. You know what? I am not sure. It's been like that since I arrived, obviously. I don't know the whole history and background, but I do know that in 2019, which was my first and only fair, I've been here for two years, but obviously because of the pandemic, I've only experienced the one fair and, and everybody, it was, it was really funny because like, the joke, of course, is, you know, 10 days or nine days here. Are you still making it? Are you still doing okay? And, and I would just respond with, are you kidding me? It's one day less than Florida. Like, I mean, we had 10 <laughs> days in Osceola. So I'm like, you get to sleep in on Sunday. I am rocking this. I got right. it. So now ask me again in 10 years when I get used to nine days and I'll, you know, want to go down to eight or something, but right. uh, it was, it was quite the blessing to be able to sleep in on Sunday. <laughs> Now, if you had a new family that was new to your area and they called you up and they said, hey, we're, we're new in the area, we want to come out to the fair, what do you recommend a day at your fair looks like? Oh, we have the best activities, especially if you say family, it automatically makes me think of kids days because we have 
a ton of activities for kids. And that was one of the things that when I was went through this whole interviewing process, I actually got to visit the fair in 2018. And so as I was looking through the schedule of events and things, I was so impressed with all of the different, like we have a frog jumping contest um, where the kids each get to pick a frog and we get to see how far it jumps, um, you know, hula hoop contests, you know, things like that. Like we have old fashioned fun here. And so when you say family, I would definitely recommend that they come out on, on kids day. They get here early because the kids do, they arrive early in 19, we signed Risley up for frog jumping. And it was like eight o'clock in the morning when we did that. I mean, that was, it goes quick and there's a lot of kids here that want to participate. So get here early, get out in the park and enjoy the kids activities, then grab lunch on our famous food row, um, which is basically civic and 4-H organizations all down our main drag have permanent structures and they have concession stands. Um, and that's their big fundraiser for the year is their concession stands on our famous food row. And so um, there's everything from the bunny hut, which you guessed it, serves some variety of bunny, uh, the goat shack, <laughs> which serves a variety of goat. Um, classic, you can, classic fair, man. Classic you fair. You right can there. taste anything and everything <laughs> on food row. So, And then lastly, traditionally, we have free concerts. Um, so uh, at the end of the night, you can go out and enjoy a show um, for free in our grandstand, which is um, an amazing thing in this industry today. So it's, it, you have a well-rounded event and, and a lot of fun in one day. Are you, on those free shows, are you bringing out like main stage headliners? Or oh, yeah. yeah, for sure. Who, who, who are some of the acts that you had with, at that year that was your first year out there? Well, I can't. Okay. So I'm we, putting you on the spot. You are. And I have to have this great memory. And, and <laughs> I, uh, you know, I can say this because in the fair industry, we're all friends. But the first one that came to my mind was Morgan Wallen. And we all know what's going on in the world right now with Morgan Wallen. And so like initially I was like, oh, I'm embarrassed to say that. But he was a great act for us. And I shouldn't be embarrassed to say that because he did put on a great show for us. And so, so an act such as that caliber. Got it. You know, obviously, this is not an industry that we get into to to get filthy rich. Um, this is a passion driven industry. So I want to know, Miranda, what what is the thing about the fair that drives you and, and makes you passionate to do the work that you do? So I grew up at the fair. A lot of people um, you either know that about me or you have not not a clue. Um, I started answering phones at my hometown fairgrounds when I was 14. Um, so, you know, I've been doing this, what is that 36 years now, which, 20, which 20, fair was that 26 years now? I can't add apparently, uh, the Sangamon County fair in New Berlin, Illinois Sangamon um, County. Got it. Yeah. So I had a wonderful mentor and Elizabeth, Elizabeth McDivitt, who many fair people know. Um, and I would go in on summer vacation and work, um, sometimes over Christmas vacation, I would help work as we got stuff ready for the coming year. And for many, many years, she allowed me to kind of be her tag along. And I think that was really what made me want to do it more because everywhere I went, people were so welcoming. It was never to me that I was the young tag along. I was part of the group, whether we went to an Illinois zone meeting or the Illinois conference, um, so many different things. It was just welcome and you're here and we'll use you if you want to volunteer and what do you want to learn about? And so it was just amazing to me that they took this young kid and let them let her be a part of it all. And so that the the people really drove home in me this sense of passion. Yeah. But on top of that, uh, my grandpa was a farmer and I grew up um, being at the farm, you know, 
if not daily, then probably every other day. And I see the passion and the drive that um, he and my uncle always put into that. And it was always something that was very much instilled in us at a young age, agriculture, the importance of it, um, feeding the world. Um, and so fairs are a good background for that. It's a way to promote agriculture. It's a way to teach people about agriculture. Um, and so when you combine the two, it just really gave me a, a sense that I wanted to be a part of this all. And I wanted to do this as a career. That's fantastic. Let's look back at 2020, even though it kind of sucks looking back at 2020. We have to, we'll make that. We'll make this quick. Cause I, I remember when I was on the air with John Sykes and he was like, you know, I'm just tired of talking about the pandemic. Let's that's, talk about good stuff. That's right. But, but we do have a story to tell on this. You know, we get to um, March, middle of March of 2020 and Houston cancels and the dominoes start falling. Things start going bad real quick for our industry. When did you realize that this was going to have a real wide ranging impact on all of us? Oh, gosh. I mean, so for me, the pandemic, I, I am one of those people that needs to be social and needs to be out. And so this has been like doubly hard for me. So I can remember the early months of 2020 being in, we were in an apartment then. Um, we had only been here just over a year and we just started to look for a house when all of this started, you know, kind of put put the brakes on everything and what's going to happen and whatnot. So we were still in a, in a little apartment with two boys and every day, day in and day out, I was on the phone with our president, you know, what do we think is going to happen and trying to keep staff morale going strong. And, and we host a lot of RV rallies here on our fairgrounds and that's our bread and butter. And those started falling, you know, one after another, this one's canceled, this one's canceled, this one's canceled. Um, and I would say probably late April, early May, it, began to look like it was extremely daunting. Um, and trying to wrap my brain around that became, you know, very difficult to do. Now it wasn't until, uh, I believe it was late, late May that we met with our local officials and we really sat down and hammered out the details and, and got their feedback. We met with local mayors, um, health department, the sheriff's department, um, anybody that we thought would really have information or a stake in this. We had our chamber representative there because obviously, you know, if we're not driving um, people to visit the fairgrounds, then there's a lot of income outside of the fairgrounds that's also being lost. And so it was in that meeting that our health official said, uh, point blank, she said, I think it would be irresponsible of the fairgrounds to host this event for the, for the health of everyone. And that was at the point at which I think all of our hearts just sank and we knew it, we knew it before that, but that was the, when you really had to start accepting it. So, yeah. And you guys run late July. So I'm before that meeting was there, were you holding out hope that maybe this would be something that kind of tapered off by the middle of June and you might still have an opportunity to go? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, uh, we, you know, you, when you heard the first shutdown, it was, I think the first one that Indiana posted was like two weeks. We were going to be off for two weeks. We're going to go home for two weeks and, and everybody's going to come back. And then it was extended for maybe two more weeks. And then it became ex another extension for a month. And so I think all of us, to some extent, when it started coming down the pipes, we thought, you know, oh, it's just going to be for a short bit and then we'll all be fine, you know, and you could take, and I think in, in some ways that helped us get through because, you know, I could take two weeks. If you would have told me March of last year that in March of this year, I would still be wearing a mask. There would be times where we were still all in quarantine. You know, life would still be difficult. I, I don't know if I would have made it March to March. 
Um, yep. But when you told us, you know, it was two weeks here and then two, okay, I can make it through two more weeks. Okay. I can make it through two weeks. So, you know, not speaking for everybody, but in my, the way my brain works, it definitely helped me that it was just in the chunks. Um, but I think all of us had hope that we could get our summer back on track and have fun. Well, and at some point luck runs out. Was it at that meeting um, when your County Health said that, that you guys made the decision? Um, so basically we took all that information that we gathered that day um, from all the different officials and we took it to our executive committee. Um, I think the very next night or even the same night. And um, we had a real hard discussion and uh, decided to recommend it to the full board and then the full board um, made a vote later that week um, to go ahead and, and postpone. So you were at the end of May when that decision came? Yeah, yeah. That's, um, even though you saw everybody else, you know, you weren't going to be the first, you certainly weren't going to be the last. It's still, it's got to hit you in the gut when the votes are tallied and it's a done deal. Yeah, it does. And again, like you, you know that it's coming, but it's not finalized until it's finalized. Right. And, and I think that the even more difficult part is sending out that press release or that, you know, we, in our case, we made a little video to share with everybody. Um, and you know, that really finalized it. And I think, but the hardest part of all is the feedback that you get from the public. Um, you know, why did you wait so long? You knew it was going to cancel or, or why are you doing this? Just keep going forward. And, and there's just so many factors that we're really great in the industry, not showing our ugly is what I like to call it. You know, like the behind the scenes, we don't show our ugly. We don't, you know, we don't tout about how much toilet paper costs, but by golly, toilet paper is a big expenditure when you're talking about hosting 200,000 people, you know? And at and that so, point you couldn't get it. Everybody. Right. Right. That point you know, that was the, wasn't that the so, weirdest damn thing? Like, I'm like, so this, is a, this is an upper, so like, this is a respiratory infection. And everybody's like, I've got to have 700 rolls of toilet, have paper. toilet paper. Right. I, but, I, no idea what was no, going on. That is the mind weirdest blown. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Still to this day, mind blown, but yeah, we just don't show our ugly like that. You know, we're here to put on a show and many times you never see any of that. And we never talk about any of that and you don't, you don't know the behind the scenes. And so sometimes it's very hard when you get all that public feedback and you have to kind of tune it out because you know, you've done everything you possibly can. We, we postponed every announcement. We postponed ticket sales. We postponed ordering. Um, we postponed advertising. I mean, we tried everything we could to delay the decision until the final minute when we just couldn't anymore. And I know so many other fairs did the same. And so um, I think the hardest part for me was the feedback because if there's anybody that wanted a fair to happen, it was us. Of course, of course. And it seems like um, from all the fairs I've talked to, it seems like almost all of you were in a no-win situation, whether there were, you know, from those fairs that decided like Courtney Conkle with Wyoming State Fair, where they decided to move forward, or for the fairs that decided to cancel, you guys were going to get smeared in your community no, no matter what. what. You know, back in uh, probably about that time that you were canceling, when I interviewed John Sykes, he said, you know, somewhere in April or May, you know, the media was saying, well, what about you guys? Are we going to have a fair? Of course, East Texas over in Tyler runs um, late September into the first week of October. Mm -hmm. Lots of time between April and then. And right. they said, and in and, and, and a in a way to try to give some hope to the community. Yeah, we're going to have a fair. We're, this is the, we're going to get this thing behind us and we're going to have a fair, which I think is the right thing to say because you want to give your community hope. You don't want to just seem like everybody's throwing in the towel and giving up. 
and he conveyed to me that they just got railed on social on their Facebook. How irresponsible of you, and right. you're going to get people killed, and you don't, you must not like, you know, having kids be safe and blah blah blah. blah. You can't win for losing. You can't. Just- and I, and I think my big fear is now that even as we move forward, we're still going to get a lot of that. Um, yep. Even as we, until you know, there's truly an end, and and as we all know, they're talking that that could be the end of 2021, that we're really back to normal. It could be 2022 before we're normal, if you will, you know, quote normal. Um, but I, I feel for events, you know, moving forward that we're still going to get a lot of that feedback. Um, there's yep. going to be a tremendous amount of people that are ready to get out, that are ready to do, and they're willing to wear the mask and are willing to social distance. and They're willing to do what they need to because they want to go have a corn dog. Um, yep. But then there's going to be a tremendous amount of people that are, are upset that we're even considering it. Um, and that again, they call it irresponsible. So we are, we're, we're, we're done either way. Um, and you just have to do your best and put be- put forth your best effort and know that you're working with health officials to make, to do absolute everything you can to keep people safe and then go from there. Well, and you know, your job is to make sure that you have a safe event if it's going to happen. And, but more, almost more importantly, to an extent is your, your messaging, and, and how you're speaking to your community and making sure that you're, uh, you know, being transparent. And I just think, especially after a very contentious election, people have, have distrust for, um, you know, for what they see in the media. So I think it's important to be as transparent as possible and upfront with your, your community and your, your fair going public to say, Hey, these are our plans. Um, you know, and we're moving forward with our planning, our event. And we understand that might be a concern to some of you, but listen, if it gets to the point where we have to pull the plug, we can always do that. Right. And just make sure that they understand, you know, at least this year planning for 21, you've got some, you got some runway out ahead of you. You can see kind of what's coming, you know, last year. And I feel so bad for so many of the fairs in Florida, like Sarasota or Vero or Miami. Um, You know, they, all their marketing dollars, all of those expenditures had been made. And then literally like 15 minutes to half hour before open County health goes into Miami and says, you're done. You can't open. Um, with your, you know, last year with your event being held when it was, and when you canceled, were you able to hold back some of those expenditures and, and roll that, those funds over? Yeah. Uh, we pushed everything we could, um, to the last minute. And if we didn't absolutely have to spend the money to get it before fair time, we didn't do that. Um, now that's all great and wonderful, except for us, you know, it, like many other grounds, the other events are also our bread and butter. Yeah, I was going to ask, are you guys, um, are you your year-round facility? So you've got mm-hmm. RV and boat shows and all that. I'm sure you guys have RV shows in, in your Correct. area. Yeah, RV capital of the world here. Right. Um, RV rallies are one of our biggest um, off-season, off what I call off-season, you know, off-affair um, events. And um, this past year, we lost about 95% of our normal income. Um, so we have, we have a year-round campground and then facilities for weddings and parties and anything and everything you can think of. Um, but you know, it's, it's just crushing, you know, even though you were able to, um, not spend the money, it's didn't help much, you know, like, thank goodness, because it would have made things even worse. Um, but sadly it still didn't, you know, equate to success in any way, shape or form. Right. Well, and that's when we spoke with Marla, um, from IFE, that's one of the big things that fairs are in order for fairs to be saved and make it through this, 
even if the fair doesn't happen, by God, y'all got to start being able to have those, the gun show and the home and garden show and all those things that generate revenue for the, for your facilities. Yeah. We've already lost our first three spring rallies. Um, So we're already down for 2021 um, tremendously. I mean, like I said, rallies are are a huge portion of our year round funding. So um, to be down three events and it's not even March 1st yet, um, it's, we're still pushing hard. We're trying to be creative and do different things and try to make up the difference. And certainly my staff has been told a hundred times, if you don't live or die by it, you aren't buying it because, you know, go find a pencil somewhere else. We're not ordering more. Um, Recycle that piece of paper 10 times, you know, um, that kind of stuff. So we're, we're doing the best we can. And I have a tremendous staff that has worked really hard all year to get us through. And without them, I don't think we'd be in the same shape that we are in. Um, but we're blessed to also have wonderful community um, sponsors and supporters. And uh, I think we're going to be fine moving forward from where we are, but I know every fair isn't as blessed to have that. Yeah. There's depending on what state they're in um, you know, certainly I think we're all watching the California fairs um, and, and knowing that they're in, there's some real trouble there for, for California fairs. LA County's now canceled um, their 21 fair already. Um, they're talking about trying to do some sort of a small fair like event. Um, you know, when this first started, my real worry was for like the small fairs, like Stacy's down in, in Lake County, you know, these right. little fairs and how are they going to, but, but then you realize that a fair like Stacy's has a lot less overhead than something Correct. like Del Mar. And then you start to look at things, the big picture and go, wow, you know, some of the biggest fairs are probably some of the most vulnerable and that's proving to be the case with LA County and Del Mar and, and a number of the big fairs. Um, I don't know what's going to happen because they're in the same boat as you. If forget the fair, if they can't, if, if LA County can't start having some non-fair shows, I, I don't know how they generate revenue, yeah. you know, and that yeah. state's just been so, I, you know, I, I can say this from the outside looking in, it's probably different when you're on the inside. It just looks like California's government has managed to mismanage so much and, and leave a lot of people and businesses vulnerable. What about Indiana? What's the, uh, the current state of the pandemic response there? Are you guys locked down? Are you partially open? Partially. Um, there's still a lot of restrictions, so we can only currently, I think that came out today, actually, it might've got updated. I think we're still yellow, which we have a color code system. Um, so at yellow means we can have half the capacity of our buildings. Um, but we still have to have an approved plan by our local health department. Um, we do have a mask mandate. Uh, so every event that comes with a, comes to us, um, weddings, uh, we have a reptile show every month. Uh, every month he has to put forth a plan and work with the health department to make sure that you know certain policies are going to be followed, make sure there's hand sanitizer available, make sure the social distancing's in place. Every and any event that we have has to submit a has to submit something to the health department and get approved before they can host on property. So um, we still have a lot of hoops to jump through, I would say. Not that they've been difficult. I think the health department here has been great to work with. Um, we've had a lot of support from them, which again, very thankful because not everybody has that. Um, they are ready and willing to answer questions. And like, for instance, our trick or treat event, um, we started looking very early on. I think it was in late July or early August that we started thinking Halloween's going to be ruined. Um, they're not going to let us trick or treat. And, you know, for me, I have two little ones. We have another girl in the office that has a, a little one. And as a mom, your heart is just breaking because they've missed out on so much. 
And so we just kind of sat around as a staff and powwowed and we were like, how can we make trick-or-treating happen here on the fairgrounds? And so we reached out to our health department in August and said, if we thought about having trick-or-treating, what would you want us to do? And they were awesome. They were, you know, what would be your biggest concerns? What would you want us to do? And they worked with us and, you know, this is worst case scenario. This is best, best case scenario. And we were able to host trick-or-treating and it was an amazing event. And I think the community is still talking about it. And it was a big win for us um, for just for the community's sake. And so our health department has been great to work, work with, but it's just, it's extra steps that you have to go through to get there that sometimes turns people off. Well, and I think those extra steps are going to be, that's going to be the case for, for a little while. Um, you know, you were saying before it could be the end of 21. Some people are saying 22. Hell, I saw an article from some epidemiologist on CNN that, you know, he said it's going to be 24 before we return to normal. And I'm like, looking, if I got to wear a mask till 2024, I'm going to hate that. But could we have some of, I'll wear a mask. If we can, can just go, have some other normal things, right? I go climb into Conjure Fortune Machine at a fair and have, make a living. I'll I'll make right. a mask that matches. Like I'll get the fabric and I'll make it match. Like I'll put glass. I'll put. I'll do whatever I got to do to COVID safe my yeah. attractions. Can we just have events, please? <laughs> and uh, it just seems like every state's got some different standard that's in, in, you know in, impossible right. to meet. It felt like all of last year. Our governor, every time she set gating criteria, we'd meet it and she'd say, oh, well, actually, no, no, no. This is what we really need to do. Um, she put an impossible standard for us to get kids back into school. And then two weeks yeah. ago, she said, oh, by the way, you can reopen your schools out of nowhere. I can't imagine what changed somewhere there in the middle of January that a blue governor would suddenly I, let her public reopen their schools. I think reopen. the hardest part is like, just like you said, you know, from the outside looking in, it's, it's very easy to kind of make these assumptions or, or what I think the hardest part is this people just didn't know, we didn't know what to do with this. And, um, you know, I think of it as being a fair manager, you know, people don't know what I deal with on my desk every day or what phone call I'm taking or what information I'm trying to make the best decision for my people. And that's kind of what, you know, hopefully our politicians are doing are making the best decisions for their people based on their own knowledge. And so it's such a difficult thing because there just, there's so many unknowns and, um, I'm very thankful that we've been in school. We started school in August and I know I have a kid that would not be the same kid he is today. He was ready to go to school. He needed to go to school. And I, he is very social like me and he needs to be out and about. And yep. I, I cringe to think about what would have happened had we not gone to school. Um, because is I, he kindergarten was, now, is that where he's at? He's kindergarten. Yeah. 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 And I, it would have taken a toll on him mentally for sure. And so I'm very thankful that we, that we were able to, but I also get like the scariness of it, you know, as a mom too, I'm looking at it going, do I want him to go to school? Yes, I do. No, I don't. Yes, I do. No, I don't. And so it's just so hard to make decisions when you, when I feel like they don't even have the answers now. There's well, no, I, now. you know, it felt like every time we turned around, CDC was saying one thing, world health said another Absolutely. state government said something else. I think it just bred distrust into the system when we all needed to be on the same page with things and we weren't, you know, when the, our governor said uh, a few weeks ago, okay, you know, February 8th, you can reopen schools. It was like, Sarah looked at me, you know, being an elementary school assistant principal. And she goes, it takes APS 30 days to get the bus drivers hired and trained. Right. You know, they're literally, and they're going to split, they're talking about, they're going to split. And that's not what the public sees. They don't know right. that. So when, right. when the governor says you can open on February 8th and you don't open until March 8th, they're all angry. You know, half of them are angry because 
you didn't right. hurry up and open and they don't right. see the background. And and so two weeks ago, the, what the first thing the board did was punt on the decision that she's le- the governor's leaving it at the discretion of the districts, which politically is a very wise thing to do because then if they don't open, the governor can say, I said they could open. It's yep. not on me, yep. you know, and to watching the politics at play is very, you know, it's just, I, I hate that play politics with a lot of issues, but don't play yep. politics with kids, you know, yep. APS will meet tonight. We're recording this February 17th and they're going to decide on what their reentry plan is going to be. And if they're even going to, for the rest of the semester, which honestly, Sarah and I talked about it. Um, I want, I want Nate back in school, but the way they're looking at doing it, where they're going to be at like 50% attendance on Monday, Tuesday, and then they will be closed Wednesday for cleaning. And then the other half will go Thursday, Friday. When you factor in um, a start date of say March 1st to 8th, somewhere in that week, and you factor in spring break, Nate will have a maximum. I think we looked at a maximum of 20 days of school. And is it worth it? You know, like, and I'm looking at, I'm like, just like you guys look at the fair and say, is it worth it for us to try it and have all these expenses and then not have the fare? I'm looking at it going as a taxpayer on a district that's already cash strapped because our oil and gas industry has been so clobbered here in New Mexico. Why can we just, just make a decision, go stay virtual the rest of the year until, and then let's try it again in August. Now, if it was September or even beginning of January, um, I might feel different, but they're just for 20 days yeah. for a kid. Yeah. And I don't think, but then, but then again, you have, those, you have those kids that like my Risley would really benefit from 20 days, you know, could be. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, but again, it's just so hard because they're so, everybody's so different and there's so many unknowns and, right. you know, you might, you might save a kid by sending them 20 days because he needed to get out he or she needed to get out and they needed some time with friends or they needed, they needed to see the teacher. You know, that's the other thing yep. is, um, God bless the teachers. I know virtual is hard. I know that they're doing what they can. And, but certainly the parents too, I, I am not a teacher, Robert. I could never, we did one day yesterday with snow day and, you know, it took me three hours and I was, Oh, oh my gosh, thank goodness we're in school and don't ask me to do this again. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I, I get all sides of it and it's just so hard, but um, I just know that again, like you, like, is it a way, is it, is it worth it as a waste of money? But then on the flip side, if you have a child that needs that interaction, um, could we save their year by just giving them 20 days? You know, it's, it's, it's a difficult thing. Or let me go one step deeper. Could we save their life by giving them Absolutely. 20 days? Absolutely. It's a really dark thing to think about, but suicide is a very, very real, real issue that we're having in this pandemic. And it's not, you know, mental health is just so stigmatized in this country. And um, it's a real issue we got to deal with, with, with these kids. Some, you know, there's kids out there that you put them in, in a virtual setting, you put them in school, you, you tell them you can't graduate, you can't walk at commencement. They don't care. They're just going to rock out right. and do their thing because right. that's just who they are. Um, and then you have kids that are on the opposite end of the spectrum, that the only thing that's really keeping them moving is in school. And you think about the kids that are now, the school was their escape from an abusive family or, or situation or bad home situation. And now they've been facing nothing but that for the, almost a full year. Um, it's heartbreaking. And, and, you know, to that end, I say, get them in. Cause you know, maybe 20 days is the difference. Yeah. I, I just don't know. Um, I don't know. There, I, I think, positive. Can we move to I, something positive? Do that. 
Yes. <laughs> yes. We, we, I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm directing, I'm directing the interview now here. Fair manager. You, you do that. I'm, I'm used you to direct. <laughs> you know what? Let me just, for the listeners, let me just tell you this. Cause some of you probably sitting there going, Oh my God, all this, this is suicide talk. This is not good. <laughs> Let me tell you, Miranda taking over this interview is just like when I worked for at Osceola County Fair and I was performing. She just took things over and was like, I don't like where you're located. I want you to move over here. Go do this. Go do And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> like I said, she's one of the most creative and innovative people in the industry. So we're going to, we're going to do, uh, we're going to do what she says. Uh, so then let's get to the positive. In a year that had just so much garbage, what are you grateful for? Oh, I'm grateful to still have a job or all of us fair people, you know, that yes. still have a job, still grateful. I'm so grateful. That I kept a uh, majority of my staff is employed. Um, and so that's a wonderful thing to be able to tell them that they can too feed their families, you know, tonight. And, and, uh, and honestly, my blessings all year have just been my family. You know, it's, it was the hardest thing to be pregnant in a pandemic. It was also the most beautiful thing to be pregnant during a pandemic because there was a lot to look forward to every single day. So, um, it's been a difficult ride, but I, now I can see, you know, like I said, I think I said earlier that if you would have asked me last April, May to wrap my head around trying to plan a pandemic safe fair, I don't think I would have been ready for that. Um, right. it, was, it was daunting. It was, you know, completely jealous of those folks that could wrap their head around it much more quickly and were able to get things off the ground and to do things in their community. Um, amazing, but I, I don't think I was there yet. I was struggling. And now I find myself in a position where I, I'm ready to rock and roll. Um, yep. My brain is around it. My baby is here. She is safe. I am safe. Um, you know, and, and I had COVID by the way, in, in November. So Did having, you really? COVID, having COVID while pregnant. Yeah. I'm just now getting my sense of smell back. So um, I still can't smell poopy diapers. So for anybody that, you know, that oh, that's I see, a there's a silver, there's a silver <laughs> lining to all of this. There I got is, COVID and is. I can't smell my baby's dirty I diapers. Smell ours. <laughs> I just have to check her often. Um, but so, uh, you know, it was, there's a lot of scary things, but I, I've come through it all. And I think I'm finally to a place where I'm just like, let's do this. Like mentally, I just, I got there and it took me a while, but um, we are full steam ahead at this point, looking at what changes need to be made for 2021. Uh, yep. We had our first meeting with the health department last Friday, went very well, very promising. Um, things are probably going to look a little different. I mean, who wants to wear a mask to fair? Um, but we're probably going to have to wear a mask to fair, but I don't care if I get to go have a corn dog and ride the Ferris wheel and enjoy time with my friends and family. And I'll, I'll wear a mask. I, I will do it, you know, and I hope that everybody else has that same attitude. Um, not for other reasons as well, you know, for the protection of others and things, but, um, certainly because I want to go have fun and I want my kids to have fun and enjoy fair. Uh, and, you know, we may have to, to make some changes to our entertainment lineup. We may have to change things with kids day that I was talking about earlier, but we're just going to get creative with those things. Um, yep. maybe we're not passing hula hoops back and forth anymore. We have to come up with a different activity and, and we can do all of that if we put our minds to it. And so the talk here is I am on my staff. I'm on, on the fair board. I'm on the exec board every single day telling them to be positive, to think out outside of the box and to be ready and willing to do this because we can make it happen. We just have to want to make it happen. Yep. Well, and I think we're prepared. That's the one thing that's annoyed me more than and, and anything. And, and other people in the industry share this with me. We've dealt with swine flu. We've dealt with, you know, with H1N1. We've dealt with all these viral outbreaks and, and, and illnesses. We just have to scale our response now. And yet so many of us get told, nope, you got to stay closed. But right, this, isn't, right. this isn't new to us. 
This is right. what we do. We, we mitigate those risks and we have fun, safe events. And I'm, I'm positive um, somewhere here in this middle of this year, July, August, that we're going to start getting things back in our favor. Your, your event's going to run. Um, hopefully OC fair runs. I, I named that one specifically because they're my, you know, that's my five weeks in my summer that I'm out there in Costa Mesa. And um, I just really feel like people are watching Florida right now. I just got off recording with Dan West. Um, I'm sure you guys have been paying attention to Florida and what's going on mm-hmm. and how they're mitigating and they're doing it successfully. There's no reason the rest of us can't. Right. Right. And I think that's where that relationship with your local authorities really comes in handy. And I know it's something that's consistently been preached over the many years that I've been in the industry, but perhaps now it's even more so important um, because of the pandemic. And um, those people that didn't have those relationships before are probably hard pressed to to develop them right now. And so, like I said, with our trick-or-treating event, we reached out early and we started planning and it's the same with FAIR. Um, met with them, you know, it's February and we're already meeting and discussing plans and we're planning for worst case scenario and best case scenario. And um, it's just, it's, asking every person to just have that positive outlook and that's what's going to make the difference and it's it's no different for any fair um if you're a fair manager that's oh my gosh they i have to do this to have a fair you know it's not it's not going to turn out positive for you um you have to go in it uh with a great mind and you know like we talked about do we have to limit attendance okay so for us a great day would be twenty five thousand people so um if we only served 100,000 people in a week, would we rather serve 100,000 people or not serve any because we couldn't have 200,000? Right. You know, I think everybody that you talk to, whether it's a food vendor, um, a kid that's showing cattle, you know, anybody that you could come across in fair, they would be happy to have 100,000 people if that's what it yep. means. You know, that's 100,000 people that have smiles on their faces. And that's what we live to do every day. Right. So, and to some extent, that just becomes a numbers game. You know, if a 50% attendance hit, if you break even or make a little bit or can justify a little bit of a loss, then go for it. You know, um, other fairs we talked to said, if we took a 50% attendance hit, we'd, we'd lose an additional, you know, half million or right. million dollars. Um, so obviously you got to look at that, but you know, like we talked about with the kids in school at that hundred, if that makes a difference for your community for that hundred thousand people or keeps a concessionaire in business and being able to make a payment on their trailer and make a mortgage payment, then let's go. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's exactly like, the you know, again, is it a hundred thousand people that have a smile on their face for a day and, and just made, made their month, you know, made their, made their past year because they finally got to go out and have fun. So there's obviously a lot of factors that go into it. You're absolutely right. You know, the, the costs and how much it costs you to open your, open your gates and you have to negate some of that stuff. And, and like I said, we might have changes to entertainment because of that. We might, you know, there might be changes. I, I don't know a hundred percent what's going to come down the line for us. Um, but it, I would rather do different and do different well than do different and like drag my feet the whole way. Um, yep. and, and so I'm, I'm excited about it. We're going to move forward and I think it's going to be a great event. Yep. I, li- I like some of the changes that I'm, I'm talking with fairs that I'm hearing about. Um, you know, I was just saying, I just got off the, the recording with Dan West and one of the things they're doing this year is instead of doing a golf tournament, cause Florida's convention goes back to Naples this year. And you know how affordable golf is in Naples. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> so they decided they're going to skip the golf tournament, and they're because the fair partner shootout was canceled earlier in the in in the month. They're going to mm-hmm. do their fair partner shootout at the convention, and instead of the golf tournament. And I'm like, I've wanted to do that for so many years, and I've either a been home in New Mexico and I'm not flying across the country just for that, or b 
like I was working your fair a couple of those right. years. Yeah, I was going to say, it was, I, it was always during fair for me. So I never got to make it. And I could make it. So when he was like, he just told me, he said, yeah, we're moving the fair partner shoot out. I'm like, I'm in. I'm right. so in for that <laughs> um, to get to go, you know, go down to Florida and, and see our, you know, my friends down there and um, still miss you every year. <laughs> not Thanks, Florida man. fairs without Miranda. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you look like you're doing great. You know, you're you adjust. You you came from the upper Midwest though, so it's not a big adjustment for you to move back there and and get used to things again. Right. No, I'm both Steve and I are from Illinois originally, so uh, we knew what winters were. Everybody says, "Why did you move here from Florida? It's so cold." And I'm, oh, I'm used to winters. That's you know, old hat. And truth be told, when we started this whole journey way back when. Uh, I had asked Steve, I said, he said, well, he had asked me what job I would want to have if I could have any job and told him I would be a fair manager. And so from there, he was like, well, what do we have to do? And I'm like, well, we have to move. And so we had this conversation, this evolving conversation. And at one point I asked him, I said, where would you want to move? And, and he kind of, I don't know, where do you want to move? And I said, okay, how about this? Where wouldn't you want to move? And truth be told, he said, Florida, he didn't want to go to Florida. (laughs) (laughs) And so, where did she end up of all 50 Where states? did I end up in Florida? And I'm so grateful that I did. You know, I learned so much from, I still love all of my Florida friends and it was just the most tremendous experience for me. I grew so much while I was there. Um, but, you know, good old John Owens is the person that kind of carved my path down there and got me God down there. Him. And, and Steve enjoyed our time. Don't, don't get me wrong at all. He, um, once we got there and got settled, he had lived, um, through several hurricanes. He worked for a builder who went down to build after a hurricane. And he was actually in Florida when hurricane Katrina went through in that year that there was just a ton of hurricanes. And so that was his experience. So that's why he said no Florida. So after he got there and got settled and, and enjoyed time with friends and and the area, it was a much different life than what he had kind of envisioned. So um, it worked out just fine, but um, we did want to come back to the Midwest. He missed hunting um, cold duck hunter, goose hunter, you know, deer hunting, that sort of thing. So um, he had always kind of wished to come back to that and he missed the season. So uh, we weren't strangers, but definitely it's an adjustment. So here we are at the beginning of uh, 2021 and first quarter 21. I'm curious, um, is there anything you're going to work on about yourself improving yourself for this year? Because oh. we kind of all have that resolution time and then it's like the resolution goes away and doesn't really happen. But if you could improve something about yourself, what would it be? So it's funny that you asked because we kind of had a the staff meeting and we had a discussion about this and it's, it's losing your way in negative conversations sometimes. Um, And we, as fair managers, most of us work for a board. Many of us work for a board. And sometimes you are like the counselor to the board. I mean, I don't mean that in a negative way, but you know, one person comes in and, and they want you to do something ABC wise. And then the other side comes in and they want you to do it X, Y, Z wise. And um, you kind of get stuck in these conversations that once in a while can become negative. And so one of my goals for this year was, you know, I'm happy to nod my head and listen. I'm not giving input into negativity because I just give me your side, give me the facts, give me what you need and then carve my own path. I just don't want to find myself bogged down in negativity anymore. And so the staff, we had a discussion about that as well. You know, Um, just trying to, you have a bad day. I get it. You need to vent, but 
let's not do it in the middle of the break room and everybody's listening and we negativity just it bleeds into other areas and it just keeps going and going and so our goal as a staff came from my personal goal which was just to just drown that out and just find some more positivity in your day and um, just to not get lost in those conversations and sometimes it's gossip sometimes it's just people venting um, but you find yourselves in these conversations you don't know how to get out of and I I just don't want to be in those anymore so politely excuse myself from that yep yeah, no, I, I get it. I, I think for me, um, you know, looking forward into 21, obviously I'd like to improve my, um, <clears throat> my weight situation because <laughs> while I didn't get, well, well, I, I thought that was always like, the, I mean, that's all my first one, you know, like, but, but. <laughs> well, you know, I, I like to say I didn't catch COVID-19, but I did gain it. Um, oh, there you go. <laughs> stress, stress eating was kind of a, was kind of rough early in the year. Um, or in I the had a nice excuse. Year. I had the ni- a nice yeah. excuse. <laughs> yeah, so you're like, I, I didn't gain COVID. I had a baby. It's That's perfectly, right. loud. perfectly loud. No one's going to say anything about that. Um, <laughs> if they want to continue living, at least I That's remember right. that when Sarah right. was pregnant, she was like, you know, you can say no anything comment. you want about this baby, but don't comment on the weight if you want to continue living. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think for me, other than that, um, I've really discovered, found something with this podcast that's really helped me grow and I think is providing some value to the industry. So, man, I want to blow this thing up and, and make it as big as possible and share as many stories as we can. And it, it's been nice as we've started recording here in 21 that the instead of the conversations entirely being about the 2020 cancellations, we're now shifting and we're seeing some hope for what 21 can look like. And um, you know, I was telling Dan West, it's so nice to see some movement at some fairs, some, right. uh, you know, see Manatee County open. And, and I know that Cheryl had to change dates for the state fair, but they didn't cancel, you know, they didn't throw in the Absolutely. towel. They're going to, yep. they're going to try and just push it back a little and make it happen. I really, it means a lot, you know, for my, gives everybody my, hope. yeah. And, you know, from my standpoint, seeing, um, when Cheryl had the RV super show down there at the grounds of Tampa, seeing, you know, Jack and Oscar and, um, you know, Fritzy brothers and some of the, some of these acts that I'm friends with and like, okay, we're getting some movement. And like, I I'm kind of jealous cause I want to be the one there, <laughs> but I'm really happy for all of them. I'm like, let's get some movement and let's get this thing going. Um, it, it's, we can't just keep sitting here being told, no, stay closed. No, stay right, closed. That's right. not gonna, that it's not gonna work. Gonna we're all going to be gone. Um, if you don't do something. Yep. And, uh, it, it just reminds us, um, it, it was tough. It's been tough for a year being told you're not essential. And I understand they're making a distinction, obviously first responders and doctors and nurses and those people super important right now, you know, Absolutely. people making sure we get our groceries and get us, keep us fed really important right now. Um, we, we have a place in there too. And, uh, I know that our moment we're going to, we're going to show the, the country just how essential we are as these things, these events start reopening, because, you know, for those first responders, they need a stress, a stress relief, they need a break. And uh, whether for those people in a normal year, that's, you know, going to the going out with friends and, and having a beer on a Saturday afternoon and kicking back or going to a movie or coming to our fairs and having a good time and just relaxing. That's so important for everybody's mental health. I, I think as this thing ends, we're going to see a new, uh, a new dawn of of success for this industry people are going to realize just how important it is um i'm i'm excited for it i really am excited and very optimistic for the future of our industry 
Agreed. Agreed. So listen, I really appreciate you being on the show. We're just about an hour in and, and just about out of time here. Before we go, everybody that comes on this show goes through a little series of speed round questions. If you've heard any of the uh, episodes previously, and I know you've listened to all of them, correct? Oh, yes, absolutely. Every, every one of them. Every single one. <laughs> so for, <laughs> let's be honest, Miranda, you're about to give the answer to these questions and you've done this whole podcast for nine listeners. Let's be clear. <laughs> for the nine people in this industry that are listening. My mom will listen. So you'll have 10 this time, right? Yes. Yes. Finally, <laughs> finally double digits. So I'm going to ask you a little series of speed round questions. You give me your best answer. And are you ready? I'm ready. Question number one, funnel cake or fried Oreos? Elephant ear. <laughs> you would be difficult. Well, you know, I have listened and I knew that was the question and I was kept thinking. The questions change though. The questions are different for everyone. That one's always, that one's been the same, everyone I've heard at least. And so I was like, that's not my favorite. My favorite's an elephant ear. If I have to choose, I'll choose a funnel cake, but I'd prefer to have an elephant ear. I'm changing the question officially. It is now (laughs) elephant, ready? Elephant, let's redo this. Let's start over or... Okay, Miranda, question one. Elephant ear or cotton candy? Elephant ear. <laughs> What's your favorite thing about the fair? Family time. Uh, favorite movie? Harry Potter. Which one? The first one. Which one? Uh, let's see. You and Steve, where'd you go on your honeymoon? Jamaica. Jamaica. I dig it. What's the last what's the last book you read? Oh gosh, the last book I read um, was last night and I read Curious George Sees the um, Ocean. <laughs> I knew when I wrote that question you were gonna go there. I'm like, she's a mom. I'm sure it's gonna be like, you know, the Clifford the Big Red Dog or something for the kids. Curious George, it is. Uh, and of course, if you've heard the show before, you know, I asked this one a lot. I'm very curious. First celebrity crush. So it's funny that you say that because my sister was the, um, and I've said that like three times. You should stop saying it's funny that you say that. Uh, that that's annoying when people say the same thing in an interview a hundred times, isn't it? Have I said that? Or no, you I've said, said that? It. I've said that. I was telling myself, you should stop. Are you saying, saying you're, you're an annoying person to interview? I think, I, think I must be. I'm probably the most annoying interviewee you've had. I don't know. You changed um, the whole flow of my interview earlier. I was getting to where I needed a position I know, to go I know, positive. Just, and you're like, go positive right now. Right now, Robert. I did know that you asked that one before. And I also knew that Stacy was going to say Dwight Yoakam. And I was going to roll my eyes at her the whole time that I was listening because I knew <laughs> Dwight Yoakam was coming. My older sister was boy crazy, like had all the posters all over the wall and cut them all out and everything. And I just never really got into it. But as an adult, The Rock has always been my man. And his show started last night. And I've got to tell you, I was was so excited to looking forward to it on my birthday. So I'm going to go with The Rock because he's just my man. I don't know. Because you want to smell what he's cooking. I guess. Yeah. 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 You're the first one to go. I think you might be the first one to go with the rock. It's been, I asked that question. I always find it really interesting to see what generations, you know, who's, who's got the crush on, on whom. And, you know, the younger ones, it's, you know, luckily I haven't had any of the Jonas brothers or anything like that yet. Yeah. I was going to say the only other thing I could think of to say was somebody from new kids on the block probably, but even them, I wasn't really, 
into it, like the way my sister was. I mean, my sister was boy crazy over New Kids on the Block, and still to this day, I mean, Donnie's her man. You, I would, I could, if she, you were going to ask her this question, I know she would say Donnie right off the bat. Yeah, he's uh, an old, he's an old man now. We're like all of us. We are old. old. We're old, Robert. Like, old. Well, yes, and according to YPI, you know, I had Miss Jennifer Dunn on the show, uh, who's the chair for YPI now, and I, you know, I'm uh, uh, 41. I don't count anymore, and I'm I like, don't count you know anymore what? either. You young. In fact, you- Jennifer Dunn is listening. I emailed her late last week, and Jennifer never responded to me. So it must be because she knew I was coming out, and I'm like over. And you're done. That's I'm done. You, I'm these done. youngsters. Like, I swear, Miranda. Cold. These they don't youngsters. Need me you know they're 25 26 27 and they're like oh we're the ypi we're That's young right. we're special and you know what they don't realize how young they're going to be when they get to 40 so just That's right that's right whatever i as i affectionately to- referred to stacy for many years i am just now ypi plus <laughs> ypi plus yeah <laughs> it's really i feel like ypi should age out like 70 yeah, there we go. Maybe like 45, <laughs> really. Cause I've like you, you recruited me into YPI and I think I was like 37 or 38 when that happened. And so I went to a couple of the events here and there at conventions, but I never really got the chance to really get in and explore YPI. Cause no sooner had I blinked than it was like, you're, you're too right? old. Yeah. Maybe we should just take our group with us as we go. So like Jennifer and Emily need to come up with a different name for their, you know, if they're going to kick us out. Yes. We're going to take our group and still remain the YPI. Why are we YPI plus? Why aren't they YPI junior? There we go. You got it, Robert. We that settled is, this. We, I think we're, we're starting, we're going to start a little war <laughs> within the fair <laughs> industry. Jennifer Dunn, if you're listening, we're coming for you and YPI. We're taking it back. <laughs> and we're so off topic again. See, I'm telling you, I'm the worst interviewee you had. No, but it's probably the best part of the show because this is just genuine. This is, and, and for anybody listening, when Rand and I are together, when we're at a convention or we work at fairs, this is what happens. We will start on a serious topic and all of a sudden we end up going in places. It's just like, wait, how did we end up talking? <laughs> Speaking of just random things, um, is Steve still doing the, um, the deal with the, the, the mom's area, the, the trailers that yeah, have, take uh, five, uh-huh. take five. Yes, yeah. Sure. Yes, how's yeah. that? It, I, obviously, how's that going? Not at all right now. <laughs> it's not really going Robert. <laughs> but pre pre pandemic. I know he came to me cause we were talking about putting an area like that and play with giants. And, um, he was like, I just want to make sure you're okay with that. And I'm like, it's not my idea to do a mom's area. If you can make, if you can reduce friction for, for new moms on that fairgrounds, go do it. Yeah. So how did it go when you guys moved back to Indiana? So we um, had some really great reviews. We did the Blueberry Festival here, which went really, really well. Uh, We had just booked pre-pandemic. We were going to Erie County. Um, Super excited to be going to Jessica's Fair. And and, um, we're we're very much looking forward to that. And of course, you know, here comes COVID. So, uh, but for those that don't know, he has a beautiful trailer that he's, he, he basically put in a little room for moms. Um, there's changing areas, nursing stations, water, bottle warmers, um, things like that. All for moms. It's just a clean space for them. It's air conditioned. And it's like, it's, it's built into the back of a little cargo trailer. That's what, like correct. 12 or 12, 16 foot trailer or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. And it, it's, it turned out just beautiful. I mean, I, I literally there's, there's times I I'm not a decorator, but there's times in my life where I feel like you got that room, right. Or, you know, like this could be, and, and this trailer is one of those rooms and those areas that I just feel like we got it right. We got it yep. right. It's beautiful. Yep. 
And so um, he basically, the idea came from, you know, a lot of places don't have a building that they can put a space like this in. Right. Um, once we had Risley, we, we go to a lot of different fairs. When we had Risley, there were so many times where we found ourselves changing him in his stroller because there's no changing tables in your bathrooms. Fair managers out there, if you don't have changing tables in your bathrooms. Men's please, bathrooms too, please. Please do so. Like it is, so, I mean, it will literally make a mom go home. And, um, you know, I, I could point out a few big ones that we where we were and, and the experience was horrible because we just couldn't even change them. We had to either go to the car, you know, who wants to change a stinky baby in a stroller and risk getting it all over everything. And, right. and, you know, so that's kind of where the idea came from is the more that we learned as parents that it was a hard space to come by. Um, we just decided that we wanted to provide something. And so fairs, we can do it either way. He will either rent it to a fair and they clean it and take care of it and, right. and host it, or it'll come and he'll have somebody come with it, whether it's him or my dad, or, you know, somebody else will come and staff it through the week and they'll clean it and take care of it. And you have somebody built in right there. So it's just a nice space when you have a venue that's not got a lot of buildings or you don't have the tent space or, um, you know, heated air conditioning is a great space. Yep. And I, I think once the fairs get reopened, cause I remember seeing the photos when you guys started posting what he created and I loved it. Absolutely. Loved it. If I, there's a, it's the, the door and that's a ramp, isn't it? Yes. So it's accessible. So it's accessible. Yes. Um, you know, if a mom's in a, in a, you know, disabled strollers, or in a scooter, me, or she needs to roll checked, a stroller up. Yeah. We've checked with strollers or the double stroller, the single, you know, trying to make sure, um, you know, I am a mom, he's a dad. And we wanted to make sure that it was accessible to everybody and, and comfortable and um, just a good space. Yep. And, and I think that once fairs really get reopened and things are rocking and rolling, you know, maybe 22 or 23, I think that's the type of thing that, you know, that's a franchise opportunity. You guys could be yeah. sending that out and you could have a dozen of those Absolutely. from going around the country. He, he, he would love that. He would love that. Yeah. I think that's an, that's a no brainer. So fairs, if you're listening at minimum, make sure you put change in tables in, uh, in men's and women's restrooms. Cause the men's, that was one thing with Nate that I got, it annoyed me the number of times I needed to change him. And I go into the bathroom and I'm like, there wasn't a changing station in the men's yeah. bathroom. And I'm like, hi, I'm a father and I'm actually present in my child's life and I'd like to change his diaper. So when it, you know, I had a couple of times where literally I was at a restaurant and I'm like, I just changed him at right there, like in the booth and the manager would be looking at me with these big eyes. And I'd be like, you know, spend the where 200 bucks to, to put a changing table in there. What do you want me to do? Yeah. Where do you, you know? want me to go? What do you want me to do? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Miranda really have enjoyed getting to visit with you again. You are, I really think one of the most innovative fair managers in the, uh, in the industry. If other fair folks want to chat with you, where can they contact you? Miranda at 4hfair.org. Super simple. Miranda at 4hfair.org. Miranda Muir fair manager for the Elkhart County 4H fair in Indiana, Sarah and Nate and I miss you guys. Give, your family our best give them our best thanks for coming on the show today right back at you thank you you've been listening to the fair game podcast fair game is a production of robert smith presents for more information please visit robertsmithpresents.com